The sermon text is the lesson from St. Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome, chapter 8. Indeed, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery so that you are afraid again, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we call out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself joins our spirit in testifying that we are God's children. Now if we are children, we are also heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, since we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. There's a little orphan Annie, Oliver Twist, the Prince and the Pauper, the list goes on, and those are just the books. On TV, watch me date myself now, there was Silver Spoons, Punky Brewster, there was, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio making his screen debut in the seventh season of Growing Pains. You ever ask yourself, why so many orphans? Why are there so many stories out there that revolve around an orphan? Well, everybody loves an underdog, right? Who's more of an underdog than a London chimney sweep begging for more gruel? Or some girl with an attitude whose mom abandoned her in a grocery store and now she has to move in with old Mr. Warnemont? We all hear stories about orphans all the time. But if you grew up in a family that is loving and caring, it's probably hard for you even to imagine being in that position. All alone with nobody to take care of you, no help, no hope, no real bright light out there anywhere in the future, unless, as it usually does happen in books and TV shows, somebody steps up to you, takes you under their wing, takes you into their family, and turns everything around for you. And the truth is that every human being's story is an orphan's tale. You and I, every human being, born into this world as orphans. And of course that sounds absurd, because don't you at least have to have a mom with you in order to be born? Well, of course you do. But you and I were born in a spiritual orphanage. As far as our souls were concerned, we had no one to take care of us. We were all alone. We had no hope, no help, and no future for our souls until the triune God stepped in, took us into his family, and turned everything around for us. And on this Trinity Sunday, when we praise and glorify our great three-in-one, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we see from four little but wonderful passages from Paul's letter to the Romans, how the three-in-one makes us God's sons. Every child who is adopted has a moment when they officially become part of their new family and start to receive all of the good things that come from being a member of that family. I'm not an expert on adoption procedure, but I think it happens when that certificate is officially signed and notarized. At that very moment, the child becomes part of their new family and they get all the good stuff that comes from being in that family. So, what was the moment when God picked you up in his arms 
and called you his own child. For a lot of us, probably most of us here today, don't even remember that moment because it happened when we were very small on the day that we were baptized. Now, if you are a person who came to faith later in life when you heard the good news of Christ, then maybe you do remember the day when God brought you into his family as his adopted child. But even if it happened when you were too little to remember it, it doesn't really matter. See, this is one of the beautiful things about adoption. Child doesn't decide to be adopted. Child doesn't pick which family to go into. And that's the way it was with our adoption by God. We didn't stand up and say, Father, Heavenly Father, pick me. I'm so lovable. I'll be such a good child in your family. You won't regret it. Adopt me, adopt me. No, it was all his work, all his choice to adopt us and make us his children. And it was the third person of the Trinity, specifically, who did that work for you. The Holy Spirit was hard at work in the waters of your baptism, giving you faith in Jesus, washing away your sins, and leading you into the house of your Heavenly Father. And He is still leading you in that saving faith to this day. St. Paul puts it this way, Indeed, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So he gave you faith, the third person of the Trinity, and you became a son of the first person of the Trinity, the Father. Now in these verses, St. Paul uses the generic term children twice to describe our relationship with our Heavenly Father. But at the beginning of the verses, right off the top, he uses the more specific word son. He says we are all God's sons. And to understand why he does that, you have to know a little something about family finance in St. Paul's world. In the world at that time, only the sons received an inheritance from their father. The understanding was that the daughters would be taken care of out of the inheritance that their husband would receive from his own parents. So when a dad sat down and made out his will, he only included the sons. Now, you are welcome to think whatever you want about the fairness of that system. I'm not saying it's a good system. I'm just saying that's the way it was in St. Paul's world. And that is his frame of reference when he says that all Christians are God's sons. He hasn't forgotten that more than 50% of Christians are female. He's making a statement about what it means to come into God's family. There are benefits. There are gifts that come along with being God's child. And one of them is mentioned early on in these verses. You get the gift of no longer having to be afraid of God. Do you ever feel a little bit afraid of God? Do you have a picture of God as having like his hand balled up in a fist over your head just waiting to thump you if you mess up? Maybe you don't feel that way. But what about this? When you do the right thing in your life, do you ever do it because... You're afraid that if you don't, God is going to get you back for it somehow and even the score. I hear more and more Christians using the word karma, and that concerns me a little bit. Realize karma is a non-Christian word for an unchristian concept, that there's a force out there that's going to zap you eventually if you do something wrong. That's just another way of being afraid of God. We are God's sons. We are his most precious possession. We mean more to him than anything else. So we don't do God's will in our lives because we're afraid he's going to smack us if we slip up. We don't do what we are supposed to do because we're afraid we're going to get hit 
if we don't. St. Paul says we cry out to God, Abba, Father. Now, Abba was a term of endearment that kids used for their dad. This was not a phrase used by a child who was afraid of their father. This was a phrase used by a child who understands how much their dad loves them and how precious they are to him. So St. Paul sums all of this up. You did not receive a spirit of slavery so that you are afraid again, but you received the spirit of adoption. Now, none of that is to say that God doesn't care about our sin or he doesn't notice it. God does care about sin a lot. He hates it and he punishes it severely. He just doesn't punish us for it. And that is where the second person of the Trinity, the Son, comes into the picture. He took the punishment that our sins deserved on himself, on his own back, on the cross. And he did that because our Heavenly Father has a standard of perfection for his children. He will not allow anyone into his home unless they are perfect first. Have you ever known anyone who had a father who expected them to be perfect. I had a friend like that once. I saw him in a grocery store. I was working there years after we had last seen each other. And his dad was always pretty nice to me. So just to make conversation, I said, how's your dad doing? And he said, we don't talk. That's what happens to a relationship when a father expects his children to be perfect. That's what our relationship would be with God if it were not for the work of his son. Jesus lived out the perfect life that God requires of us, and we get it by faith, and he took the punishment for our sins on the cross and erased them all to bring us into God's house as his perfect children. Now, when life is not going great, when things are not going well in life, it can be very easy to doubt whether you really are a child of God. And when we hit those times in life, we have to remember something else St. Paul says here. The Spirit himself joins our spirit in testifying that we are God's children. So, even when the circumstances of your life may be screaming at you, God doesn't love you. You're not his child. If he loves you so much and you're his son, then why are all of these rotten things happening to you? Even at those times in life, the Holy Spirit continues calmly, quietly, to testify to the truth. He testifies in the word with passages like these. We are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. God made you alive in Christ. He forgave all our sins. He testifies to that truth every time you remember what the Spirit did for you in baptism. He testifies to it every time you receive in the Lord's Supper the price that Jesus paid to forgive you and make you God's child. So when what is happening around you and to you in life is tempting you to think otherwise, listen to the Spirit, testify to the truth, and be assured you are God's son. That is who you are because Jesus Christ gave you the perfection you needed to be God's child. The Holy Spirit gave you faith and the Heavenly Father picked you up and took you into his arms. 
And now comes the best part of being a son in God's family. The inheritance. Normally, it would be morbid. It would be at least a little bit twisted for a person to look forward to an inheritance because usually in order to collect, somebody you love has to die. But for sons in God's family, it is okay to look forward to your inheritance. Not only is it okay, but God wants us to do it. He encourages us to look forward to our inheritance. And a lot of it, we actually don't have to look forward to because it's already ours. We already have the gift that we talked about before, not having to be afraid of God anymore. We already have the gift of knowing that God loves us and forgives us in his son. We already get to live under God's care and protection. So a lot of what you have coming to you from your heavenly father is already in your hands. And the rest of it we can look forward to with eager hearts. We can look forward to the kingdom of heaven when we will get to share in the Father's inheritance together with his son, Jesus. Paul calls us heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. So being God's son means that you will actually get to share with Jesus every good thing in the kingdom of heaven. Everything that the son of God enjoys and delights in will be ours too. That inheritance is ready and waiting for us because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit make us God's sons. Fellow adopted sons of God, praise be to the triune God today and forever. Amen.